we don't want to grow stale, do we? We want to just continue to, to just uh, vision out for the Lord and ask Him to guide us and direct us. And I know that, um, that we just want to continue to grow as well as a, as, a, as a church, but as an individual in our roles for the Lord. And so that's, uh, that's really the heart of, um, of everything that was mentioned today. Um, but we want to just be challenged again in the Word of God, and, and really that's what it's about. When it comes to it, we want the Lord to just uh, minister to us and challenge us about uh, our individual lives. And we're going to look at a thought here from Matthew chapter 21. So if you'd like to turn there, please, this morning, Matthew 21. And then also, if you pick up uh, Luke chapter 13, we'll, we'll also go to, get to that. That'll be really our main text today. But we'll go from Matthew 21, and then we'll also turn to uh, Matthew 24 in a little while. And then Luke chapter 13. But uh, Matthew 21, let's begin reading there um, in verse, actually, let's look at verse 17. And he left then and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning as he returned into the city, he hungered. And, and so as we, we think about the Lord Jesus, we understand his, his humanity as he journeyed in this, uh, this life. And, and he's hungry at this point. And he sees in the distance there in verse 19, and when he, when he saw a fig tree in the way, notice this, he came to it and found nothing thereon. He says, but leaves only. And said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee, henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how soon the fig tree withered away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, verily I say unto you, if ye have faith, and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And often when we, when we come into this passage of Scripture, we often focus on verse 21 uh, about the faith to remove mountains. But I, I want to just focus on the fig tree a little bit. And, and notice there that as the Lord Jesus was hungered, what he was looking for and what he defined as having, uh, as the fig tree having nothing, was this. He was looking for fruit. He was looking for something that will, will satisfy him. And, and again, uh, we, we understand that the Lord Jesus, uh, in regard to our own lives, he's looking for fruit. He's looking for fruitfulness in our lives. And I don't think any of us like to be duped. None of us here like to be duped. None of us like to... To, to think something is, is what it is when it isn't. Um, I think all of us here, when we are looking for a product, we're looking for, for something, we want it to be as advertised, don't we? We want it to be as it seems. And, and sometimes, though, we see things, but they're not what they seem. And maybe your eyes play tricks on you, or you're just been, been duped. Um, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was... Uh, I was picking up, actually, I, I, I dropped off uh, my kids. They were running late that day. It was probably a Thursday, all right, because Wednesday is a late night, okay? But um, we were running late that day, and I dropped off the kids. And, and um, usually we, we also take uh, Charlotte with us. But that day, for whatever reason, we drove separately. And I dropped off the kids. I was leaving, and uh, out of the corner of my eye, I, I saw uh, a girl. That's a student in the school. And, um, and I started to wave at her. Charlotte, bye Charlotte. Because I didn't see her. And, and I started to walk a little bit closer. Charlotte, how was your morning? And then I got really close to her and I looked. It wasn't Charlotte. 
All right, I, I walked very briskly away. But, but sometimes we, we're, we're approaching something and there's a hopefulness about us. There, there's an expectation that we have. And, and really, that's what the Lord Jesus had when He was approaching the fig tree. He had an expectation. There was something about that tree that He was desiring of it. There, there was something that He wanted that would satisfy him and it was this it wasn't the leaves it wasn't the tree itself it was the fruit that was to be on that tree there was meant to be fruit there and 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 this is what jesus was trying to show his disciples when he 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 said to the fig tree you you need to be just withered away because really a fig tree without figs is really not what it's supposed to do it's not really any good see the fig tree having leaves uh, really, it should have been producing fruit, and yet it didn't. And similarly, look at Matthew 24. Matthew 24. So turn there with me, Matthew 24. And notice what he, he says here in, um, in verses 32 to 33. And, and here in a different context, he says, uh, again, uh, he points to a fig tree, and now it's a parable about the fig tree in verse 32. And then what he says is, when his branch is yet tender... And put it forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. You know what he's saying? There, there should be, the, the leaves being there is an indicator of, of, of the season, of something happening. And in this context, it's speaking about God's timetable for, for the rapture and all of that and, and his return. And he's saying the fullness of that is, is, is like the fig tree when it has leaves. There's meant to be, it's meant to go through the process of its fulfillment of its, of its consummation. And for the fig tree, it's meant to be fruit. It's meant to be fruit. He says, once you see the leaves, you should expect fruit. It should correspond that the thing that, that we see externally is true of it internally, that, that when you look closely, there's fruit. It's meant to be the fulfillment of that. And he says, so likewise, when you shall see all these things, know that is in, even near even at the doors. And and so it's, it's speaking about fullness there. It's the fullness of time in this context. It's a sign that something has come to full cycle. It's met its purpose. And he's saying there, just like a fig tree, when it has leaves, there's an expectation that you have. You ought to have an expectation. You, you ought to have a, a view that it's going gonna, it's gonna to fulfill its purpose. It's going to run its course. And what I'm saying is fruit is... is is what God and the Lord Jesus is looking for us. We're to be fruitful. Uh, didn't the Bible say, doesn't the Bible say in John 15, 8, herein is my Father glorified? We know ultimately that our ultimate purpose in, in this life is to give God all the glory. We're meant to praise Him, right? We're meant to glorify Him in, in how we live our lives, in, in how we serve, in how we labor together, in how we just, just our, uh, the way we live in our testimony, it's, it's meant to be that it bears fruit. And we won't take the time to recognize the different, uh, different fruits in the Bible. But we understand, though, that we are to be fruitful. That we as Christians shouldn't just be satisfied with being fig trees, that we are fig trees full of figs, full of fruit. And that's what he's desiring. He's saying, Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit so shall ye be my disciples. And, and what I'm saying is we need to ensure that we examine today our fig tree. 
And we allow God to examine our fig tree. Look at Luke chapter 13. And we'll read this passage and then we'll pray. Luke chapter 13, look at verses 6 to 9. And again, we see here, he, he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon. You getting a pattern here? There's a fig tree, and it has leaves, but what they're seeking is fruit. The owner of the vineyard here, the owner of this this, this fruitful place is looking for fruit. He came and sought fruit thereon, and notice this, and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, and notice this, there's a, an amount of time, these three years, I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Notice what he says, cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? Saying, why is it wasting space? Why is it just here doing nothing? And notice the response, and he answering said unto him, so this is the vine dresser now, the keeper of the vineyard, said, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And notice in verse 9, and if it bear fruit, well. You know, the, the condition that, that is well with us, is not just a maintenance of appearance, but it's actual fruitfulness. You see, it was still recognizable to be a fig tree. But you know what the vine dresser says? You know what it's, where it's going to be well? Is if it bears fruit. He says, well. And if not, then after that, then do what you desire. Cut it down. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. All right, let's pray. And Father in heaven, we come before you this morning. And Lord, I, I pray as we study through this and, and think through this, that you'd help us, Lord, to just understand uh, how, how it is that we are to, Lord, to examine and then also expect, Lord, in our lives and in the, the sphere of responsibility that we have, Lord, fruit that, that will be to, your, to our account but to your glory. Help us, dear God, as we, we think about that and Help us, Lord, as we consider that in light of, of our, the vision that you've given us as a church. and Help us, Lord, to just be part of that. And, and Lord, I pray that you just, Lord, as we sung, Lord, revive us again. Lord, many times we can, we can coast and we can, Lord, just, just keep up appearances. But Lord, really help us, to, help us to just be open to you to examine us if we would have fruit. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning. I pray that your word would be um, magnified, would be expounded to us, to our understanding, communicated to our hearts, and then change us, Lord, to be more like you. And we commit these things to you in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And we'll look at a couple of things here as we think about the fig tree. And um, really, in the first place, the fig tree is a picture of responsibility. You know, all of us here, we have a responsibility. In fact, let's just say this, we actually we have multiple responsibilities, plural. And, uh, and, and the fig tree really is a, a picture of responsibility. The, the vine dresser, the, the one who was to keep the, the, the vineyard, he had a responsibility. Um, he, he didn't simply look at that fig tree and just let, let it alone, no. He felt compelled. 
he felt a responsibility. And the vine dresser, really in this, in this situation, he wasn't the owner. He was a steward of it. He wasn't the owner, but he had responsibility over the fig tree. And really, when you consider all of the sphere of responsibilities that we have, none of us are really the owners, correct? We're just a steward of what God has given us responsibility over. And all of us here, we all differ in that capacity. Uh, you, 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 you look at yourself, and, and perhaps as I think about me and, and my fig tree of responsibility, uh, I'm, a, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a friend, I'm a son, but I'm also a, a pastor, I'm also a teacher, I'm also a mentor, I'm also a servant, very importantly so. And, and all of that is part of my portfolio of responsibility. That's my fig tree. I have the responsibility of, of the gospel and the faith. All of that is part of the package. And, and all of us here have that kind of responsibility. And really it's pictured in the fig tree. And, and what I'm saying is we have our, our sphere of responsibility. And all of us here, we, we are responsible for seeing fruit in these in, this er- in these areas that we're speaking about. We have our own life. In the first place, you're responsible for yourself. You know, as you grow up, more and more so, you have responsible for, uh, responsibility for yourself. You know, earlier on in your life, you, you, you had a, uh, perhaps a mom and a dad uh, looking after you, making sure you were groomed, making sure you were fed, and all of that, and they had responsibility over you. But over the course of time, as you come to the age of understanding and, and come to a knowledge of, of right and wrong, you, you start to take ownership for your, your own, uh, your own uh, watch care. You, you start to know how to dress yourself. You start to know how to feed yourself. And then from a spiritual point of view, you have to take a, a personal decision to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have to take your, your faith to, uh, as, a, as ownership for your own uh, responsibility. And what it is, it's your own life. You know, one day when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and in, in keeping with the picture, if God asks you what you did with your fig tree, it is your fig tree. You will give an account for your fig tree, not someone else's. You're not going to, God's going to ask you about you and what you've done with your life and how you've run your course and how you've taken care of those areas of responsibility that He gave you stewardship over. And while some of, uh, some of you have, have uh, that encroaches on other people in the sense of this, you're responsible for others, by and large, it's what you've done with that. Your life, my life. But it's also your family. It's also those that, that God has given you, your children, your, your extended family per se, uh, perhaps your community where God has planted you, your, your nation where God has put you, your influence around the, the place with friends, with workmates. That's all part of your fig tree. That's part of my fig tree. It, it's, it's your influence uh, in, in your, in work, at work, in your, uh, in your social circles, in, in your leisure, your, your general testimony. That's your influence, but also within this, your church. 
you understand that, that God does not just give the responsibility uh, for, for the church as, as, as if it's just one membership. Listen, we're one body, but we're, we're make, it's made up of many parts. Right, church? We're all, we're, we all have responsibility for this. And as we, we look at the calendar, we look at the vision, and we look at all of those things that we spoke about and we'll continue to speak about in the next couple of weeks, we must look at that and we have some stewardship over that. We're, that's part of our fig tree. What, one day you're going to give an account for how you responded, how you gave, how you served, what part you played with the gifts and talents and treasure and all of that that God has given you in the context of His work here in the local assembly in your local church. That's part of the fig tree. And in all of these areas, you know, we can dress it up. And here it's, it's leaves. We, we, can, we, can, we can have the play the part, so to speak. We can appear to be a certain way. But if you look at, a, uh, look at it from a close inspection, I want to ask you this, with your fig tree, is there fruit? In those, that sphere of responsibility in your life, do you have fruit? Do you have the fruit of good works? Do you have the fruit of the Spirit? Do you have the fruit of, of, uh, of your giving? Do you have your, the fruit of souls? And we can name them over and over again. We, do you have the fruit of praise in your life? All of these things are, are meant to be evident in these spheres of influence that we have, this fig tree that is ours. And, and we can dress them up, we can have the leaves, but do we have fruit? Because that's what God's looking for. He's not just looking for us to, to look the part, He's looking for us to be the part, to, to actually have what He desires, fruit. And, and the tree is a picture of responsibility. But then fig leaves really are a picture of, uh, of personal effort and perhaps even reputation. Look at, look at Genesis chapter 3, and we'll turn to a few different passages of Scripture this morning. Genesis chapter 3, and it's interesting to me here as we consider this, and notice verses 7 to 10. So the, the, the serpent uh, there is uh, subtle, has... has has spoken to Eve and, and she's made a choice. Then, then spoke to, uh, then Adam falls, plunges mankind into sin. Death comes upon them, upon the world. And here they're hiding from God. Look at verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened. This is Adam and Eve. And they knew that they were naked. And notice what they did. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten? of the tree whereof I commanded thee, that thou shouldest not eat. And you know, the, the rest, the man blames the woman, the woman blames the serpent. 
right? And he goes on and on, and the curses are given. And, and man plunges. But you know what? how man responded when he was being examined? He sowed fig leaves. He put fig leaves. He, he wanted to cover his lack with an appearance. And that's been the pattern for all of mankind for the rest of history. See, we want to, we want to appear the part. We think if we just take care of the externals, that somehow God's fooled with our death, with the reality of our emptiness. You know, we can easily play church. We could, we could put on our, our Sunday best and we could, we could speak the lingo. All of that's external. Can I just say all of that's fig leaves if there's no fruit? Because really fig leaves is just a, it's just a picture of our own efforts to cover up. It's, it's the externals. And from Adam and Eve and so on, man has always been bent to covering up the reality. And you know what happened? It wasn't enough, was it? God, even from the beginning, had to sacrifice some animals and cover them with, with the, the coat of skins to, to signify that, that, you know, our own efforts to, to satisfy God isn't enough. And that's why we can't do anything without Christ. That's why to actually bear fruit, we must abide with Him. That's why, that's why as we consider where we're at and what God is actually seeking in our lives, the externals aren't enough. You could look the part. You could have all of the externals just all dotted and crossed. But the reality is this, God's looking for more. God is looking for much more. And we do this, uh, we do this just as, as, as fallen uh, creatures. And so the fig tree that Jesus saw in Matthew 21, it just had fig leaves. And fig trees that, that, leave, that have leaves in Israel, they were, they were really a sign that they should have had fruit. But what I'm saying is fig leaves alone weren't enough. See, it's not just the, it's not the external that Jesus is, is simply looking at. He wants the reality of it. He wants fruit. He wants fruit. And, and, and all of us here, we have a tendency to just look at the external and assume that everything's okay. You know how we know that? We have a story in 1 Samuel about that great prophet Samuel. After God had rejected Saul, who was head and shoulders above everyone else, Remember what happened? God told him, stop mourning for Saul. Go and anoint. And he sends him to which household? The household of Jesse. And God sends him over there to the household of Jesse. And the first guy comes up. Anyone know his name? Eliab. And Eliab looked like Saul. He was tall. He looked the part. And so forth. And he went down and God said, no, I have, uh, it's not him. I've, uh, it's not him. And he goes down, 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 and then to the youngest one, David, who was a shepherd boy, who was ruddy. <laughs> and remember the verse, God looks to the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. And, and church, listen, too many times we assume fruit because we see the externals and we see tick. And you know, there was another group like that 
that, that, uh, that Jesus often reserved his most harshest criticisms. And, and it was really the Pharisees. Look at Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. And, and he, he, goes, he goes to speak to them these things that, that were very, they were hard. But, but he was getting to the heart of the matter because from the outside, they looked the part. From an external view, they seemed to be those who were holy and those who were fruitful. But what he was trying to, do, to show was they were just fig, fig trees with fig leaves, but no fruit. And notice verse 23, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees. And notice what he calls them, hypocrites. You know why? Because you're just, you're just acting the part. For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. He says to them, You blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup, uh, the cup uh, and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup. And platter that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And he goes on and on. He's saying, Woe to you. You know why? Because there's a draw to you. You appear to be something when you're not. And, and you know, there's a draw. If you've ever been to some of the more ornate kind of graveyards around the world, there's a draw to that. You know, you sort of look at it in distance, it's gleaming. And there's a certain beauty to it, but you know that underneath that, it's just full of dead men's bones. It's death, it's emptiness, it's vanity. And, and it's just like that fig tree as Jesus was approaching it. And we understand Jesus knew everything. We understand that he, he knew it all. He, it's not like he was surprised there was no fruit there. He, he was simply illustrating something for us. But something drew him to that fig tree. You know what it was? It was the leaves. But when he looked at it and examined it closely, there was no fruit. And, and church, I'm just saying that many times we were satisfied with just painting the facade and looking the part and turning up and playing church and doing those things that we know to do and we want to look the part. You ladies, you will dress conservatively and modestly. You men, you'll put on your Sunday best and you'll say those things that ought to be said and yet all of it, if you were to ask Christ to examine your life, is there fruit? Because really that's what matters. You know, too many times we, we just externalize like it's just all, it's all about that. Like, like, you know, we've arrived somehow because, you know, we've gotten our, our convert to wear a tie. And, and I'm, not, I'm not downplaying that, you know, we, we, ought, to, we ought to do our best to, to, uh, to dress for the Lord. We understand the concept of that. But if that's all you care about, and that's all you think spirituality is boiled down to, 
then you're just like the Pharisees, you've missed the point. You're just like that fig tree who appears to be fruitful, but really when it's in close examination, it's fruitless. There's no fruit there. The character of it is not matching. And so these, these fig leaves, it's a picture of that. And we see another thing. Look at, look at now a church. Look at Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And notice verses 1 and 2. And here we have one of the churches of Asia Minor. And here in verse 1, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars, I know thy works. And then notice this, That thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Notice this, that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. And here we see a church that had a good reputation. We see a church that had a name that it was alive. That had a name that things were happening. Had a name that things were going on there. Had a name that, that somehow they, they were just... They, they, they weren't just existing, they were alive. Things were happening. There was movement. But there's a warning. He's saying, you have a name that you, you liveth, but you're dead. And listen, church. We've had 25 years as a church. We're going into our 25th year. And by and large, listen, we have a good reputation in the independent Baptist community. And we can, we, can, we can have a name that it's alive, but at closer examination, if God was to look, is there really life? Are we fruitless, barren, are we dead? Are we, are we, are we the kind of body that, that doesn't just have the externals to look at? There's a building. There's programs. There's, 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 a, there's, there's movement. But is there fruit? Because really that's what matters. That's what matters to God. And as a church, the external reputation that we have isn't what matters. It's what God sees and knows about us. And you know, it was a, it's, a, it's a blessing to have served the, the broader body. It's a, it's a blessing to serve other local churches. It's a blessing to... to have a good reputation, have a good name. The Bible tells us uh, uh, to, uh, that a good name is, is, is better. You'd rather have a good name than, than riches, the Bible tells us. But, but at times, do we live, live up to the reputation? Do, do we see that to be, uh, to, to be uh, not just the external, but is there a reality on the inside? Is there fruit? And here's what I'm saying in the end of it. Fig trees need to be cared for so that fruit would, would, could be born. And go back to Luke chapter 13 and, and verses 6 to 9. And, and notice a couple of things here as we, as we just tie it all up. And so God's looking for fruit, not just leaves. He's not, he's not focused on the external that comes. It comes with both. You'll never see a fruitful without the health of the leaves. But it's not just the leaves. 
And notice here again in, um, in verse 13, a, a particular fig tree that wasn't bearing fruit. He says, I'm going to cut it down. And, and notice the, the attitude of the, the vine dresser. And, the, and he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year. Say, still I shall dig about it and dung it. And notice here that, that the vine dresser had an attitude of care. He cared. He cared about that, the responsibility. And in the first place, we need to care about the responsibilities God has given us. It's quite simple, isn't it? You know, too many times in, in, our, uh, in our age, you know, those things that matter to God, too many times, if we're honest, don't really matter to us. But they ought to matter to us, right? The, 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 the souls of man ought to matter to us. The, the work of God ought to matter to us. Our families and their testimony and their direction that they ought to take, that ought to matter to us. The, the, the times that we gather together, that ought to matter to us. And, and you know, all of that, it's, it's a caring for, for it to, be, to flourish. You know, I, I'm, not a, I'm not really a green thumb. I remember when we were growing up, we were, we were living in Plumpton. We had a large backyard. And I don't think if I think about it, I don't think any of us Halanas have a green thumb. Okay, even our grass wasn't green. But we attempted at one point to plant a tree. And it was a, it was a lemon tree. All right, if you know us, um, we love anything sour. And so we wanted to, we wanted to plant a, a, a lemon tree, and we did that. We, I remember the day we bought it home, and we dug, it, we dug up the ground, and we put it in. And, you know, for the first couple of weeks, we were out there excited about that tree. We were watering it. We even put some barrier around it because we had a dog that was just unruly and crazy, um, and it just wouldn't leave it alone. And so we put a barrier to protect it, and we watered that thing. But, you know, over the course of time, even though it just started to bear fruit a little bit, we just, we just stopped looking after it. We stopped caring because it was just part of the backyard. You know, I would mow and sometimes I would mow over its roots. It didn't matter. You know, we would watch our dog abuse that thing and we just, you know, we didn't shoo it away. And you know what eventually happened with that fruit, uh, with that lemon tree, was it just turned into a twig that was in the ground. And, you know, it was, it was just wasting space. And one day, all I did was this. I just pulled it out. I got sick of mowing around a twig. It just was a waste of space. But, you know, the, the, the reason why it withered was this. There was a lack of care. Because it took labor. Notice the attitude of the vine dresser. He cared, but then he also labored. He said, let, me, let, let it alone. Let me dig about it and dung it. And so what he had to do was get, get around the soil of that fig tree and had to dig about it. He had to turn over the soil. It took a lot of work. And if you've ever dug anything, you know it's hard work. Um, I remember my first mission trip, it was with Brother Anger. All right, and, and we, went over to, uh, we went over to Thailand, to Phuket. It was a year after the tsunamis. And well and truly, the rebuild was, was starting to really happen. And there was a, a fellow there, a Singaporean missionary, I think Jason Go, uh, the, the Sundarajas know him probably. But uh, he, had a, he had a community um, outreach there that, 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 that he was building. And, you know, our, our job, 
the three of us, uh, teen, uh, well, young adult boys, was all week to grab a shovel, and we had to shovel into the ground to put a septic tank in. Now, there's, a, there's just been a tsunami, and we didn't know what we were going to find in the ground. But we were digging there, and I remember we were there for 10 days, and, and for probably seven days we were digging. And, and you know, Brother Anger, back then, he, uh, he had a go as well, and I remember um, he, it was so hot and it was so sunny, he got sunburnt where his, uh, his shirt buttons sort of didn't come together. All right, so he got sunburnt in just that one spot. You remember that? And... Uh, and so we, we were digging there, and then he, uh, he was digging along with us. And, and, you know, it's hard work to dig. It's hard work to care for something and to labor. And, um, and I remember by the end of it, we didn't know it, but the missionary had, had a favor from the Thai army. And after, after seven days of digging, it took three hours for the Thai army to, to get, a, get a digger in there and, and dig the rest of it. I was so upset, you know. But, but it's hard work. It's labor. And, and, and here the, the vine dresser had the attitude, I'm going to labor so that this thing bears fruit. I, I'm going to put my, my back into it. I'm going to put all my effort into it so that it, it, it bears fruit. And, you know, when it comes to the things of, of our responsibility for it to bear fruit, we need to care and we need to labor. Church, this morning, we need to care and we need to labor. We need to care about the souls of men. We need to care about our church. We need to care about our family. We need to labor. You know, it, it, it takes labor to raise children up for the glory of God. Uh, this week, uh, it was just another, another time I was able to spend with one of my kids. I took Vicky with us to our trip. It was a 10 and a, a bit hour drive trip, and she came along. And, you know, it was great. I watched her make friends during the week. But then also this on the last evening of of conference, she went forward after the preaching. And she was able to just uh, make a decision there at, at nine years old. And, you know, I was thinking it's just a long journey. I was looking at some of the, the parents there who had teenagers, who had, um, who had young adults, and they were still there, and they were still part of that meeting. And I was just thinking, boy, it takes a lot of labor to be able to raise a family right in this day. But listen, isn't it worth it because you're going to give an account one day? It's, isn't it worth it when, when in, eventually you see fruit in their lives? But, but what I'm saying is the vine dresser had an attitude of labor, of care, of effort, really of service, and really comes down to this, of taking responsibility. And, and we live in a day where, where if we could, we would shirk every responsibility to someone else. We live in a day of entitlement where somehow we just think that we're entitled to a good thing, to fruit, to, that, that all, all of those things ought to just come easily and automatically. But listen, get out of that mentality because it isn't reality. The reality is if you want to see fruit for God, you're going to need to care, you're going to need to labor, and you're going to need to take some time to sacrifice. You know, if we, if we understand the... And, and we, we understand the need of the hour. And notice this, he, he digged about it, but he also, he needed to dung it. And I think you understand what dung is. Okay, dung doesn't smell very nice. You know, that was the, the greatest shock of my life when I had to fertilize that lemon tree. Manure stinks. 
Okay, I, 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 may have, I may have spent some time on the farm early in my life, but the reason, there's a reason why God moved us, all right? But I remember digging around that and putting some fertilizer. It stinks. It's just stinky work. And, and it, it, he, he, he was going to dung it. But, you know, dung, there's a picture of that in the Bible. Look, look at Exodus chapter 29. And here's sometimes where we, we fail when it comes to seeing fruit in our lives. We don't want to labor, but we certainly don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to be associated with the hard stuff of the Christian life. And really, that's what, that's what dung is. Look at, look at Exodus chapter 29. And notice verse 11. And he, a command here about a, a sacrifice and says, Thou shalt kill the bullock before the Lord. Notice Exodus 29, you there? By the door of the tabernacle of a congregation. And notice the bullock. The bullock is a picture of Christ. And thou shalt take of the blood of the bullock and put it upon the horns of the altar with thy finger. And pour all the blood beside the bottom of the altar. And notice in verse 13, Thou shalt take all the fat that covereth the inwards and the coal that is above the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them and burn them upon the altar. And then notice verse 14, But the flesh of the bullock and his skin and his dung shalt thou burn with fire. And notice this, without the camp. It is a sin offering. And, and you know, all of those things that were necessary for that bullock and, and the sacrifice, but all of it was necessary. You know what he says? He needs to be without the camp. And along it is all of that, including the dung. You know what that's a picture of? It's suffering with Jesus. It's self-denial. It's, it's, it's suffering loss. You know why sometimes we don't really see fruit in our lives? We don't want to be identified with the negatives that Christ brings. You remember in John chapter 6, Jesus taught the, the crowd, the multitude, about them taking up his flesh and eating it, drinking of his blood, and he was speaking spiritual there, we understand. But remember in John 6, verse 66, he says some of them walk no longer with him. They couldn't take it. And listen, many of us, we like the positives of the Christian life. But when it comes to sacrifice, to being identified with the suffering Savior, where fruit is, many times we don't want to suffer with, it, with Christ without the camp. We want to be accepted by society. We want to be viewed as not different. When, when Christianity, it is different. In fact, God's called us to be a peculiar people. In fact, God has called us to, to suffer, to bear our cross, to deny ourselves. That's dung. That's the dung work of the Christian life. It, it, it's, it's part and parcel of it. It's, you need to dig about it. But he also said, I need to dung it. If you're going to see fruit, you're, you're going to have to go through and, and be, be, be a stink in the nostrils of the world, but be a fragrance in the nostrils of your Savior. You, you need to choose between that life and being accepted in this world and being, uh, being, uh, being one that is, is, is going to uh, get that compliment. One day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
And too many times when the rubber meets the road, when, when it comes down to it, we want to say we want fruit, but we won't do the things necessary to see fruit in our lives. Some of you, you have a great calling perhaps, and, and part of the, the calling is to go through some, uh, some loss of, of security, maybe financially, maybe security as far as uh, having a, a place to live and all of that, and you, don't, you, you couldn't do that. You know what that is? That's the dung. And you don't want it. And you wonder why there's no fruit. You just have the fig leaves to show it. It's, are, we, are, we okay? are, we, are we willing to identify with, the, with Christ without the camp? Dung and all. Look at Philippians chapter 3. He, he, he notes here in verses 7 and 8. Notice this. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form. Uh, sorry, that's, that's chapter Chapter 3, so he says here, sorry, verse, verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. He was saying, I had to sacrifice. There's some things that, that the world saw as treasures that I counted as nothing. Why? To, for the excellency of the one. And listen, there's, there's probably some here that, that God has given you a vision, maybe a calling. And, 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 and there's some comforts that you must give up. There's some things that you, go, you must suffer the loss of. And you know what he's, uh, the Apostle Paul is saying? I count those things as, as dung in comparison to the, the calling that I have in Christ Jesus. And listen, some of you young people, you're looking at all of those things that, that the world is alluring you with, and you're looking at all of the, 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 uh, the financial gain you can make in this world, and, and if God has called you to that, God bless you, but if God has called you to something else, God has called you to His work, God has called you to step out in faith and start preparing to do His call and His bidding in, in another place, maybe in a place in Australia, maybe in a place overseas, wherever it may be. Maybe it's even within this local church and you won't count that as dung. Then listen, you won't see the fruit because that's part of it. Sometimes we go through that suffering. Sometimes we go through the dung work of the Christian life to be able to bear fruit. See, dung isn't pleasant. It's the stuff we don't like. It's the loss we face when we live without the camp. When we live set apart with Christ and for Christ. And what you know what it is? It's, it, it's the enduring hardness as a soldier of Jesus Christ. But let me just say kindly, it's the digging and the dunging that's required. And I wonder today, I wonder today if your fig leaves are showing, but you have fruit underneath. I wonder if you'd just be willing to care and labor and say, Lord, I'm going to dig and I, I'm, I'm just going to go through the dung. <laughs> I want fruit. And this morning, it's, it's simply this, examine your fig tree. 
How's your, how's your areas of responsibility? How is it, it going to go when you one day give an account for your life to the Lord and your areas? Do you have fruit? Do you have the outside appearance but don't have the fruit to show for it? Is it real? And, and, and I, I pray that we would have the attitude of the vine dresser. Lord, give me a chance. Lord, let it alone. Let me dig it and let me dung it. And if there be fruit, well. Uh, how's your fig tree? Let's pray. And Father in heaven, Lord, we come before you today. And we just want to thank you, dear God, for, Lord, just the, the joy it is to be able to live for you. Uh, to be able, Lord, to have a great purpose in this life. And yet, Father, too often we, Lord, we're satisfied with our own efforts and our own, our own goodness and, and all of that. And, and really, when it comes down to it, we have externals to show for, but we don't have the fruit that you so desire from our lives. Help us, dear God, as we consider these things. Help us as we think about perhaps already preparing ourselves next year as we take steps in the next couple of weeks and months to, to be ready. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as a church, but Lord, more especially as individuals and as families. And the piano can begin to play, every head bowed, every eye closed. No.